Well, hey there, and welcome to a special edition episode of Clickbait Church Podcast. Today is part two of a two-part series on a subject that isn't mentioned often enough in the church. Today, we're talking about racism in the church, and I'm joined by my friend Rico Smith to continue the conversation. And fair warning, there is a significant audio issue about halfway through that unfortunately we'll have to deal with, but let's jump into it. It's all clickbait nowadays. Yeah. Baptist Church has voted to accept the LGBT community, putting them actually at odds now with many in their denomination. Churches are a cornerstone of American life. Do you know what the internet desperately needs? More clickbait. clickbait. I'm Chris Prince, and this is Clickbait Church, a podcast about culture, how the church fits into it, and what we can learn from each other. Listen up. You won't believe your ears. To kind of bring it even more so to a a Christian perspective, uh, you, you mentioned part of part of one, which is God doesn't see color. Uh, the one I, I I heard often growing up was, um, it doesn't matter if you're black, white, red, or yellow, we're all covered in right. the blood of Jesus Christ. And right. Talk for just a moment. You know, quite a few of my of my listeners are preachers. They're they're pastors. They they are. Speak to that for a moment, especially speak to some of, some of us that are white, that we're preaching and we're trying to reach people. What do we need to be selling? What do we need to be saying to our, our, our black people in our church? What do we need to be saying to the Mexican people in church, the white people? What do we need to be saying instead of saying that, instead of saying we're all covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, what do we need to be saying instead so that we can connect and so that we can empathize, so that we can truly be showing the love of Jesus instead of trying to cover it up by using his blood as an excuse? Right, because see, the thing about blood is is underneath skin. <laughs> it's not on the surface level of skin. Blood is underneath skin. And so you have to penetrate the skin in order to get to the blood. And so, um, yes, his blood covers us all, but at the end of the day, we were made of one blood, but we were covered in skin. And so since we were covered in skin, um, we can't just continue to preach those pretty sounding lines that we're all covered under the blood, red, yellow, black, and white. And they, they hinge on that song. That song is very popular. Red, yellow, black, and white, all precious in his sight. It can no longer be um, a cliff note or um, just a, a cliche and just a go-to line to show that you're not racist. I mean, I can say that. Um, anybody can say that. I believe a black, I mean, a blind person, not a black person, a blind person who has never see, ain't seen people a day in their lives, not people who have gone blind, but born blind. I believe they can say that and feel that they are generous in their own hearts. Uh, but does that make it a reality? You know, so to go to those lines, I'm not condemning anyone. You're more than welcome to preach that. You're more than welcome to say that. But when you say that, help them to understand that, yes, we're all covered by the blood of Jesus. But also, Jesus understands exactly where you are in the skin you're in, in the culture you was raised, in the environment that you're in. See, the thing I love about the Bible is it's universal. The Bible is a universal book, though it's, um, it's, it's a oriental book 
the Bible has universal applications, rather. Um, I'll put it that way. It's an Oriental book, but it has universal um, application. What I mean by Oriental is not native to our land. It's from the Middle East and things of that nature, right? But Jesus, in all of his wisdom, in his infinite wisdom, made it to have universal application. I love the language in the Bible where it speaks to us as sons and daughters of a king and things. Remember, all of us not, were not raised in the monarchy. Uh, not, all of us were not raised over there in England under Queen Elizabeth. But Jesus still teaches us to have that Eastern mentality that you are a son of a king so that we can know who we are in our identity. Well, when you are saved, baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost and the blood is applied to your life, Jesus does not strip you of your black identity. He does not strip you of your white identity. He does not strip you of your Hispanic identity and your Asian identity. Why would he do that? Mm. That would be robotizing all of us, colonizing all of us. We're not being colonized as it pertains to the world. We're being kingdomized, not colonized. And so since we're being kingdomized, we are taught to accept every people, every nation, every kindred, and every tongue. As the book of Revelation says, that there's one blood that redeemed out of every people, nation, kindred, and tongue of all, of all people that are in the earth. And that's going to be in heaven. So if Jesus was aware enough to say that that's every people, nation, kindred, and tongue, are going to be in heaven. And when you look up the Greek word for nation, it's ethnos, which means ethnicity. This was an original language. Jesus was speaking to skin colors. He was saying, this is going to be up there around the throne. And so you can't continue to just say red, yellow, black, and white, all precious in his sight. That sounds good, but hinge on it a little more. Stay there a little while and speak to their cultural differences and their skin color, speak to their different experiences and their upbringing and let them know with all that's in your history, good, bad, and indifferent, Jesus Christ saw you fit enough to save you and draft you into the kingdom. Then he looked at your black brother and sister and did the same. Then he looked at your Asian brother and sister and did the same. Then he looked at your Hispanic brother and sister and did the same. So when he brought you into the kingdom, Jesus wanted it to be multiracial. He wanted it to be multi-ethnic. He didn't want us to put European mindsets on people who don't know anything about it or trying to make them do things that you would do. I mean, if that's your personal conviction and it's not in scripture, you do that. Let that be your personal conviction, though. But don't force it off on others because that's what your culture does. That's what your ethnicity is known to do. And I'm shooting into the dark there without going into specifics. And I can if I need to. But the thing is, Jesus wants us to appreciate us for who we are. He wants us to appreciate others for who they are. I'm not going to sit down at your table and be like, man... I come to you and I expect you to eat all the stuff I was raised to eat. Um, because our ethnicities are different. Our taste buds from our family line may have been completely different. I grew up eating pig feet. Love them. Pig ears. Love them. Not just because I'm in the South, but it is mostly a cultural thing. I grew up eating all of that. But that may not have been what you grew up to eat. 
just like me, when I began to get white friends, I, I saw a lot of them like pimento cheese, pimento, whatever that is. Bro, we never had that. I, I never had that growing up in a black family reunion. I, I got introduced to it when I had white friends. I never had um, mayonnaise potato salad until I got introduced to my white friends. I've only had mustard-based potato salad. And when I got introduced to my white friends, I'm like, what is this? And they were like, this potato salad. I'm like, why is it white? And they was like, it's mayonnaise-based. I'm like, I've never in my life eaten mayonnaise-based potato salad. But when I got introduced to my white friends, I got introduced to mayonnaise-based potato salad. What am I saying? Because their skin color was, was different, at least for in the state of Mississippi, um, they introduced me to some different cuisine. And I was able to appreciate that. Though I had to add salt and pepper to it because it just didn't <laughs> taste the same as mustard-based, I appreciated it because it was something different. Why was it different? I was with different people. I weren't with people that I grew up with that looked like me. I was with a different crowd. And so well, since I was with a different crowd, I got a chance to be introduced to different flavors and different cuisines. That's the beauty of accepting our difference. We can all offer one another something that we have not tasted of before we met one another. And I'm not just talking about food now. Yeah, that's good. Ideas, plans, mm. agendas, um, wealth knowledge, credit, credit worthiness, um, credit education, mm. things of that nature. The things I learned as a banker when I became a supervisor at Hope Credit Union was going around teaching black communities about credit education because most of them were not taught that growing up. Mm. My white friends did not have that problem. They were taught to manage their credit in teenage years. And even working at Regents Bank, I watched a mom and dad walk in and get their 15-year-old, I'm talking about 15-year-old, alone so that his credit can start being built. I didn't learn that. I didn't, I didn't have anyone to teach me about credit worthiness. Mm. And I don't feel sorry for myself for it, but I grew up very poor. My wife did not now. My wife would be considered a Joneses, um, her family. But I grew up very poor. And I didn't have anyone who had the education level, not so much as degrees, but the knowledge to teach me about how to wisely manage my credit. And that is one of the bad stigmas in the black community. And we just got to acknowledge it for what it is. But that's not a bad stigma or neither is it a problem or a handicap in the white community. They go into college with great credit scores. Yeah. They're in their teenage years with great credit scores for the most part. Mm -hmm. Whereas on the flip side in the black community and probably in the Mexican community too, or Hispanic community rather, they may have that similar experience. And so, hey, that's all I have to say about that, man. It's just an appreciation for different skin colors, even while you're preaching, because it will help us know what are your experiences as a white preacher? Mm. What is What are my experiences as a black preacher? What are your experiences as a white evangelist? What are my experiences as a black evangelist? 
What happens when I get traveled around? Well, what happens when you get traveled around? What do you do with the pastor? What do I do with the pastor? What conversation do you have with the pastor? What conversation do I have with the pastor? Brother, there's so many sub levels that goes on there. Because I'm guaranteeing we're not having the same conversations. Mm -hmm. Whites and blacks, when the different pastors, when they, you're not having the same conversations. Mm -hmm. No, you're right. No one can fool me like you are. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. No, that's, I I think it's, I'm I'm glad that you said it the way you did specifically about culture Mm -hmm. kind of segues into our, our next question. Our next kind of topic here is um, there, there's a, 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 a term that's thrown around often, uh, white savior. And the idea behind this right. term is that it's, 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 uh, it's a white people who are trying to save other people, a lot of times black people, from their culture by helping them come out of that culture, you know? And so it's kind of, it kind of segues from the same about being colorblind and you mentioned culture here, but how can, how can white people speak up without white savior uh, becoming an issue? How can we speak up uh, um, against racism without it looking like we're just trying to play the right part without it looking like we're just trying to um, save our black friends from the, 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 issues and the problems that they're going to deal with? How can we truly approach that subject the right way? Well, um, there is absolutely no way to approach it without ever receiving some sort of criticism. Mm. No matter which way you approach it, if you stay silent, you're going to get criticism. If you speak up, you're going to get criticism. So since you're going to get criticism on both streets, no matter which turn you take, no matter which direction you go, don't worry about what's going to be said. Because if someone wants to label you as white savior, um, I'm not seeing you be all in their face and brass about it and be like, well, the white savior I'll be. Be like, no matter what you say, I'm going to continue to speak up because someone is not going to appreciate you speaking up. Someone is going to label you white savior. Someone is going to label those who are white, white savior. Someone is going to label them who are white. Um, you think you you think you need this type of recognition because you stepped in in the nick of time. To that, I say, let them talk. We need the whites to speak up, point blank, period, about every. And I am not going to say every injustice, but about the injustices. We need them to speak up about white privilege. We need them to speak up about identity politics. We need them to speak up about all of that, the laws that are being made, um, the the sentences that are being handed out. We need them to speak up because remember, it wasn't until the whites started um, partnering with Rosa Parks that the busing community took the protest seriously because it was causing them money when the whites joined in with Rosa Parks. Whereas when the blacks were just doing it, it was seen as riotous and um, unruly and an uproar and wrong, uh, bad protest, violent. But when the whites started joining in with them and it started um, impacting their um, economics, (laughs) their finances and everything, then they began to give it attention. It wasn't until the whites partnered arm in arm with Martin Luther King that people really started to pay attention. Yeah to what it was he was saying that this man is really not as violent as we've made him to be. He's trying to peacefully protest, though he has some stern and hard things to say. It was when his white friends joined arm in arm with them. Billy Graham was trying to get him to keep quiet. I tell people, that's not the white friend you need. 
Um, not not someone like Billy Graham. Keep quiet, be hush, um, hush hush, and don't say anything. No, and I'm not saying that we should be loud and um, 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 rambunctious and whatever the word is, loud and raucous rather about every issue that goes on. Yeah, I am not saying that. I am saying that when the time comes. And don't be like, I'm going to wait till the 99th time. No, that's not what I'm saying when the time comes. Whenever you do decide to speak up, and it needs to be as soon as possible on issues that are plaguing. It, we don't need to wait till it reach national attention. I know that's one of the later questions. But whenever you do speak up, don't worry about who are going to label you as white savior, who is going to label you as trying to take credit for speaking up. Don't worry about that. There are going to be people who don't appreciate it on both sides. There are going to be those who are on the white side telling you you shouldn't have spoken up. There are going to be those who are on the black side or something like you feel like you're the white savior. Well, you're not going to please all the people all the time. So to that, I say, let them speak up. Let them let them call you what may. Let them say whatever. Just don't stop utilizing your voice because it's only when two different ethnicities join together and walk arm in arm that true attention is brought to situation and true change and solution is presented. That's good. That's really good. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to put you on the spot here because I didn't tell you I was going to do this, but uh, you, you, okay. made a, you made a post on Facebook um, uh, at the beginning of May <laughs> that I read and loved and uh, mm-hmm. it, it says, I've heard and read it said probably a hundred times that the church cannot speak up on every injustice. Well, I have a solution. If the church can't speak up on every injustice, then stop speaking up on everything politically driven. And right. uh, whew, that, that hit my, uh, my, my, my 21 year old self right in the, in the gut because wow. I was, I was the guy who very quickly was going to post about every single thing that I thought uh, politically as quickly as I could, but I definitely didn't want to mm-hmm. touch anything that had to do uh, with Black Lives Matter, or I, I didn't want to deal with anything that had right. to do with any any social injustice that happened. I wanted to ignore it and quote unquote, wait for the facts to come out. And so I, right. I have seen some people privately say, or they've told me privately, I don't post about social injustices like this publicly on Facebook. Uh, because there's mm-hmm. just too much that is, uh, there's too much that's connected to it. There's too much that is, you know, we just don't know exactly what happened. So I don't want to say it, but they're quick to share that random, that meme uh, that, that that fits their agenda of politically. Nancy Pelosi, yeah. uh, uh, of Nancy Pelosi looking dead and mm-hmm. um, slurred face. Mm-hmm. And they're quick to share that meme um, that talks about how bad the Democrats are. Yeah. They're quick to share that news story that points to Trump being a, a, a all around good guy. Yeah. Um, the media's fake news. They're quick to share that. Yeah. And, and so um, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to take my Liberty for a second. And if you want to say anything about this, please do. But I, I will just say uh, for, for those of you who, who do post, politically, but you refuse to post about social injustices, especially like those that have recently happened. And you, re- you, you refuse to post um, uh, against racism, not just saying it's one thing if you believe and you say it, that's good for you. 
But if you're going to post about politics and, and not be afraid to offend somebody because of who they voted for, but you're not going to say anything against racism because you don't want to offend someone, you are missing the boat. You're missing the point. And, and in fact, I would right. say that when you post about politics on social media, you are actually hurting your witness. You're hurting the right. gospel because you're only posting, especially if you're someone in ministry or even, or it's just a Christian period. It doesn't matter. You are starting to make it sound like your politics is impacted only by your religion in a way that anyone who doesn't agree with you is not going to be saved. And right. if you do that, but you won't post about race issue, I believe that you are truly um, you're hurting your the gospel. You're hurting your witness. You are hurting your church if you're in ministry. I'm not afraid to say that you are hurting um, the, the 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 people of different uh, culture backgrounds from coming mm-hmm. to your church because you are potentially pushing them away um, because of right. saying rather than standing with them. And so, you know, Rico, speak to that for a moment. What, what, speak to on your thoughts on that, on things that you've seen, on on, on pastors that post. What, what do you think about that? Uh, man, um, I'm going to be totally honest with you. And um, I'm very respectful. And um, I am tolerant that, 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 that there is, that, that is rather, their personal Facebook page. They have a right to post whatever they want to post. And so that being said, that preliminary uh, getting out of the way, um, they must understand that we also have a right to post whatever we want to post. Um, If you have a problem with us speaking up about the injustices, and I don't ever say anything about you with your politics, do give me the same liberty and the latitude that I'm giving you. I I don't care about what you put about your politics. Please make it your business to not care. Not just go duck your head in the sand. No, purposefully make it your business to not care what it is that I am posting. Why? Because if you're going to try to speak up when I am um, speaking out about a social justice issue, it goes to show that, hmm, what have I triggered here? You may not want to admit that I've triggered something, but apparently I did trigger something. Because all of my posts never got any attention from you until it became something about social justice. And so I look at all of that. I take all of that into consideration. How frequent have I heard from you when I posted anything else that didn't have anything to do with social justice? How frequent have any of my posts got any reaction from you? But the moment I post about something about social justice, here you are. Like Batman popping up when crime is going off, you know? Um, <laughs> how did Batman know to be here? Who who screenshotted these or sent you this? Or were you just snooping? And so if you are not popping up to get on there and say something about um, the oneness of God when I put the oneness of God out or the miracle signs and wonders when I put the miracle signs and wonders out are I'm going to preach here when I go and, and preach there, but you wait and pick your spot to speak up when I'm speaking about social injustice. That says a lot. That mm. speaks volumes to me. Um, the thing is this, 
The reason this speaks volumes to me is because I have been disgusted with the way that I've seen some pastors post about politics. Very disgusting. And though it may be in what they consider to be secret groups, um, it goes to show that um, the apple really doesn't fall too far from the tree. And what I mean by that is, I'm not trying to put everyone in a bad category, but what I am saying is this, if your members end up being distorted and uh, not producing a lot of fruit, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. Because though your members may not see you act that way, when a body of your peers see you behaving that way, then it goes to show why your church may be stagnant, why your church may not be experiencing revival as it should. Because see, while your members don't see it, your father in heaven does. God sees it. And um, the Bible said we should know them by their fruit. Mm. Um, a lot of ministers my age, who they consider to be young ministers, have all had a conversation when they said when they got in certain groups, it really let down their expectations of people who they looked up to be heroes. And I couldn't help but I couldn't help but concur with them. I could not help but concur with them. Because if this the way you behave, if this the way you talk, if this the way you bully, because it is bullying, when you put those memes out of Nancy Pelosi and um, Maxine Waters and Barack Obama's wife looking mm -hmm. certain ways, um, you got to think, to a black man, all I'm seeing is a black skin color you're making fun of. Um, and think about it this way. Um, look at it this way. I'm not saying just because you made fun of a black person, I'm seeing it as racism. Because I saw you also make fun of Nancy Pelosi. But my thing is, most time you're making fun of the black person is always being likened to a man. And you stop short of making them look like a monkey. And so my thing is, you know, you want to speak up about the righteousness of defending abortion, mm -hmm. but you don't want to speak up about the righteousness of, offend, I mean, of defending the marginalized, the poor, the widow. And the poor in the scriptures, when you go and look at those definitions in the Hebrew and the Greek, it's not just talking about people who are poor when it comes to finances. It's talking about those who are deemed by the caste systems as poor. Mm -hmm. Those who are looked down upon and frowned upon. Don't, do they not realize that the welfare system was established by God? That when you go out into the field to glean the fields, you leave the edges, and you leave this for the poor people to go and get this. I'm not talking about the people who's, um, who, who delves in socialism and want the people to just... but. At the same time, when you take it to the extreme where you don't want to care for any poor, that's not even biblical. Mm. You didn't even have yeah. that in the Bible. You didn't even have yeah. that in the Old Testament. You don't know of all those people in the Old Testament who was doing they were able-bodied. Apparently, it seemed that they were very able-bodied, but they still was able to go out there and glean the fields. And so to feel that God's favor is on one particular political party, is to put God in the arm of flesh. Mm. And for you to say, because this party um, endorses 
abortion. Well, okay, if you care enough about their life while they're in the womb to get out the womb, what's going to happen when they become grown? What's going to happen when the systems of this life affect them? Their lives still can be aborted. Think about that. Mm. Anytime you murder someone, that's an abortion of their life. Anytime you 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 put people at a disadvantage, that's an abortion of their rights as a human being. So abortion goes beyond killing me in the womb. Will you love and care for me when I get here? Will you defend me when I get here? Or does my life just matter enough for me to get out the womb and then just so you can one day make a meme about me? Mm. And so one day you can categorize me and stereotype me. Does my life care enough to where you're going to follow me the rest of my life? And I'm not saying you have to follow people who you save from abortion the rest of their lives, but it just so happens, are you going to care about the people who have been aborted? Since they say African-Americans are the ones who have the largest abortion rate, uh, again, statistics are not 100% factual nor accurate. Because if they feel that Republicans are not paying for some abortions because we don't have, just because they believe in the Christian model home, it does not mean that they are living the Christian model home, if you get what mm. I'm saying. And Absolutely. so if they, if they see their kids' future getting ready to get messed up, they underhandedly go pay for abortion. People be like, well, Rico, how can you, you can't prove that and you can't. Listen, we're living in a real world and Hollywood does not get their thoughts and make movies and shows off the imagination. Since we want to say TV is bad and Hollywood is bad because it's demonically driven, where do you think they get these thoughts from? This is stuff that happens in real life. People yeah. pay for their rich kids who end up having babies before the time for them to be aborted. But we'll just never hear about it. It'll never be statisized. You'll never read about it. Why? Because they got enough money mm -hmm. to make it go away, at least in man's eyes. And so for you to just yeah. care about one side of it, God is a God that is against more than just abortion, homosexuality, and any of the other life. He's against adultery, mm -hmm. having multiple wives, and mm -hmm. they're still alive. He's against fornication. He hates lying. He said it's an abomination. He hates sowing of discord. So to just say that God is against abortion is to put God in one niche. God hates all sin. Yeah. And if our people in our party line are committing any of the sins that God hates, well, what do you got? Yeah. The Bible says he's angry with the wicked every day. What do you have? So that's my answer to that. Yeah, that's good. I'm really glad that you brought it up from the perspective of abortion because that is right. one that I do believe is used as a, a very odd defense at times against why white people don't speak up against uh, uh, issues. I, I literally today or yesterday just saw a meme posted. I just saw a meme posted that mm -hmm. said um, uh, that, that they will riot in the streets because one man was killed 
but they don't do anything about the millions that are aborted every year. And a, a preacher posted that as though wow. that was a defense. To even equate it. Mm-hmm. To, to, to defense. And all I have to do is turn that around and say, as a man of God, why aren't you riding in the streets for just one? Jesus left the 99 to go find the one. Why right. would you not riot in the streets for just one? just as much as you will for the millions that you don't have, a, you don't have an opportunity to, to affect those, those millions that are aborted. You, right. you don't really, you don't have the opportunity, the chance there, there are laws in place right now and we can hope and we can pray that those laws um, will, will, will be changed and right. that they will be, they will be made so that there are not so many people aborted. And that's something that I think is important because abortion right. is murder. That, 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 that is, it's black and white. It is. There's there's situations surrounding it, but it is. But don't stand against one and not stand for the other. You can't equate right. and say that this is okay because that I don't stand against because they won't speak up about this. It should always be able to be flipped around on you. And if you can't stand for one, don't stand for the other. And I agree with you on that point before we move so, on very quickly. Um, it's a shame yeah. that uh, we feel that God is our God in a box when it pertains to issues that we wanted to pertain to. You know, as long as it's along our mm-hmm. party line and as long as it's a, 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 along our um, agenda, dealing with our platitudes, then that's the God. But what about the God that says that when you reproach the poor, you reproach his maker? Mm. That's the God we're talking about right now. That's right. And that was in Proverbs. And he had the M in capital letters. So when you reproach the poor, you reproach his maker. And again, when you go and study what the poor is, it's not just someone who's at a financial disadvantage. And so when you say abortion matters above a life that was just murdered, and it's justifiable to riot against abortions, but not justifiable to riot against one life. Why is rioting ever justifiable? Now you're double standard, yeah. you know. So it's, it's justifiable yeah. when we want to get in the streets for the aborted, but it's not justifiable for that one soul, as you said. Hey, to each his own. That's why a lot of people, and this is strong what I'm about to say, a lot of people that feel that they're on their way to heaven need to do what the Apostle Paul says, and to examine ourselves to see whether we are in the faith. We really need to examine ourselves to see whether we be of the faith. By the whole context of scripture, and not just by a portion of it. This is great. Um, how, how can the church address um, the, the issue of, of race locally and at conferences without it being obvious? How, how can we right. use black people how can we use uh, Hispanic people? How can we use people of all mm-hmm. races? How can we do that without it just being obvious we're trying to do that to make sure that we're using people of different races to show that we're not racist? Hey, I, to, to that, I say do it. Even if you're doing it to show people that you're not racist because it's, it's going to take intentionality to make it happen. Um, if your heart has to catch up to it, let, just let your heart catch up to it. Mm. Simple. Simple That's as good. that. Uh, it's not faking it till you make it. At least make it. Don't fake it. 
don't fake it. At least make it to the what yeah. you're trying to do. But you need to do something like that so that you can show the people that we're being intentional with our efforts. There's no way around it. Again, everyone is going to still have their perceptions. Everyone is going to are going to still say what they want to say and think what they want to think. But think of the good that is doing in the, the imagery that is embedding in the minds of those that look like those that you're using in in the diverse fields. Yeah. I can make it. Oh, I can be used. Oh, they do see me. Oh, I'm not. They're not colorblind. Yeah. It, 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 there, there's a there's a double sided coin, but it does more positive than it does negatively. If it's consistent, if yes. it's constant. And if you continue to do that, you will reap great results. So whether they see this affirmative action, uh, action that says that, look, I'm just trying to show you I'm not racist, be consistent with it. Because I promise you that will bring in the true harvest that God has planned. Now, as you're doing that, the hearts need to be changing so that that can become the new norm. Since they're talking about new norms, it needs to become the new norm. And yeah. it does not need to be a new norm with a cap or a glass ceiling. It needs to be a new norm with no ceiling. Yes. So do that. Be intentional. That's good. That's very good. Well, I, 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 we have two more questions left. I'm actually going to wrap those into one. It's going to be one super long question, and I'm just going to yeah. let you go. But um, okay, what do you and other Black people want white people to do? Let's just say it how it is. Do we just need to shut up and listen more? Do we need to speak up with you no matter what? And how can white people put action behind our desires to help end racism? How can we, what can we actually do besides just posting on social media and besides sharing our opinions, besides just talking to black people and listening, what can we actually do um, to to put action behind our desires to show that we're not just talking? What, what, What can we do? Well, um, first, to address the first part of that question is, I wouldn't say shut up and listen. I would just say, come, let's reason together and let's understand one another. Because we'd ever want to, and I know that you weren't saying it in that sense, but I don't ever want it to be seen that I want you to shut up and listen. I want you to come so we can understand one another. Come so that I can understand your experiences and come so that you can understand my experiences. So first of all, we're going to approach it and enter into it being fair, 50-50. We're going to meet each other 50-50. Not just you allowing me to go the whole 100%. Let's meet each other 50-50. And so when I do give my 50%, know that my 50% is truly going to be 100%, but it's only 50% because I'm allowing you to bring your end to the table as well. So first of all, we're going to be fair. We want both of us to speak up. And we want both of us to listen and we want both of us to understand. So no, don't shut up and listen. Come have a seat at the table and let's have a conversation. And so I'll say that. Um, Secondly, what can um, white people do? Well, besides just sharing and having conversations and things, I say put together a plan. Put together a plan, an action plan. Put together a timeline. Put together a syllabus, a training, something for your church, continuing education, whether they're mad that they got to go through it or not, put together something that's going to raise awareness, that's going to kill insensitivity, 
that's going to kill hidden prejudices and hidden racism. Put together something that's going to kill the algorithms. Put together something that's going to kill anything that would make them have preconceived notions. And when you do that, bring in black voices that can help you put together those systems. Because if you're still looking at it from your worldview, again, then you're going to create it around your worldview or what you think need to be said. What you don't think need, even no matter how tough it is, get another voice, the voice whom you are trying to get the people to stop looking down on, get one of those voices to come in. Not one of those voices who you feel that have made it on, on your level. Someone who says that, well, I'm, I don't experience that. that. That hasn't happened to me in the church. That hasn't happened. Find somebody who it's happened to. Don't get one of the ones who it has not happened to or one of the ones who just pretended that it has not happened to them or they just didn't see it or they just rubbed it off. No. Get someone that it happened to. Because until you get someone that it happened to, then you'll be able to structure that plan the way it needs to be structured. Because until it's organic, it's always going to produce a pseudo result. Mm. We don't need any more fake results. We need organic structuring so that we can get organic, organic and authentic results. If yeah. you want pseudo results, get a pseudo person to speak to their pseudo experiences and structure a pseudo plan. If that's what you want, just to say that you did something, do that. But if you want to hit it on, hit the nail on the head and kill this demon once and for all, then find someone with some authentic experiences who will not be afraid to share it with you so that you can get down to the nitty gritty. I'll say this and I'll let you go. We must not preach to people if we're not going to love the people. And loving the people is more than saying, I love you. Love is an action word. First yeah. Corinthians chapter 13. Love is an action word. Love, believe it all things, suffer it long. Love does not puff up itself. It does not vaunt itself. It does not speak rash or harsh and this and that and this and that. Love is an action word. Don't preach to people. Don't witness to people. Don't just try to get to someone to a baptistry that you're not going to be willing to love beyond that baptistry. Because remember, after you get them out of the water, they got to come sit on your pew. And after they come sit on your pew, they're not with you 24-7. They're still going to experience life as it is from their worldview. So you got to be able to be able and willing to take on all that comes with that baptistry, that comes with that baptism. And if you're willing to do that, you're ready for revival. So That's thank good. you, bro. That's so good. Uh, I'll say one last thing, as, and this is a, uh, a personal opinion of mine, but I, I think one thing yeah. that, that we can, you, we should not be afraid of as preachers, especially those of us who are, are white. And if you're a pastor and you're listening to this, do not be afraid to step up, preach an entire sermon about racism, preach against racism. There is right. enough in scripture about love. There is enough in scripture against this, that there is no reason you cannot preach against racism in your church. Teach about it on a Wednesday if you don't want to do it on a Sunday. But I'll tell you what, if, if, don't, if, you, if you stop and you say, well, I don't want to offend somebody. If you're offending someone when preaching against racism, you definitely need to preach it then. Because that's, right. that's the people that need to hear it. You need 
to preach against it. And and right. and it doesn't matter if you have fifty uh, percent of your church is black, or if there's only one person in your church that is black. You need to preach it, period. Because as a church, we as the church as Christians, we need to show people that God is love. And because of that, we are, we, we are against racism. We are against any of those prejudices of, of, of pushing people aside because of differences that we don't understand. You've got to preach about it. It's biblical. I believe it's godly to do so. And so, um, and, and you have to, again, to say, to, to say you're colorblind to my skin colors, to say you're blind to my worldview. And so mm-hmm. preach a whole sermon. I'm not talking about a portion sermon. And don't even fill yeah. it with fillers and fluff. Don't mm-hmm. fill it with laughs and jokes to make the people feel at ease. No. Yeah. Get the friction out. Be, yep. be that sandpaper. Do it without a chaser. Because that's what brings true repentance. When Peter preached on the, on the day of Pentecost, which is what's coming up, right? Yeah. He preached with no fluff. He told them, you with wicked hands have crucified our Lord and Savior. He didn't say, but I, I believe that you're some good guys. God, mm. I, I believe that y'all want to love him. I believe that y'all just was ignorant of it. No, he didn't make them feel good about anything they did. He just told them, you did it with wicked hands. Yeah. You were wicked. He called their yeah. hands wicked. In order to have wicked hands, you got to have a warped and wicked mind. And so he called it out. And so he preached hard to them. And when he preached hard to them, look at the results it produced. Yep. No fluff, no more stuff. That's the way I see it. And so if you do it that way, I promise you, we'll we'll get God results all, all the time. Rico, thank you so much for joining me. I know this was long. Thank you for taking the time to do this. I, I was blessed by this, though. Even knowing what I was going to ask you and, and, and making some assumptions on what the answers were going to be, you still you, you knocked it out of the water. And I'm so thankful for the way that you have answered this. You have answered it as, as a godly man and not with anger, not with, with uh, uh, you have done it in such a great way. And I'm so thankful for that. Um, to God be the glory. Amen. I, I do believe that, that this will truly um, um, touch people, that, that people will be, if they will listen with an open mind, that we will, we will be changed. And, and I, I mean it when I say I am changed. That some of those, those stories that you told, it never gets old that I am not affected by a story that I've never heard before that, that, that I just don't associate wow. with and understand. It hits me to the core every time. And so I thank you so much for being real, for being raw, for, for sharing those stories. And uh, I hope you have a wonderful night. Man, I hope you have a wonderful night as well. And I thank you all for tuning in. And I thank all of your podcast listeners. I pray that we grow together so we can go together. Well, that's Clickbait Church, hosted by me, Chris Prince. I hope you're enjoying my little experiment. You can follow or subscribe to Clickbait Church on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, or any other app that you use to get notified of every new episode. Check out clickbaitchurch.com for a list of your favorite podcast sources. This episode was written and produced by me. The theme music comes from Andrew Applebye. Thanks for listening. See you soon.